Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of One of Us is a Filmmaker. Good day, mate. Good day, mate. Just felt like being Australian for the for a second, but I see that. Yeah. I'm feeling very chilled now. I've got my water with me. I've got everything ready to go. You're chilled. Love it. That's yeah. what we like. I am not chilled because there was some movie news recently, which I actually don't know if you've heard yet because you haven't told me about it or what you think about it. What? And what? I'm not impressed. Uh-oh. You, you've got a terrifying look on your face. <laughs> you literally went it's from being terrifying. like normal to just being like a really weird... Mm. It relates to our very first episode of the podcast, Top 5 Pixar Films. Oh no, I did hear about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It's Toy Story 5, isn't it? I know. Why don't have you just seen that or have you known you've known about this? Well I've known a bit. This episode is probably coming out a bit later than when the news has come yeah. out. So it's been a, it's definitely been a few weeks at least mm. the news has been out. But um yeah, I'm not impressed. I'm not happy. I mean And also they made such a big deal about doing a fourth one. We would never do it unless it was the perfect script. Nah, I always knew why you did it, mate, for the money. And now, Toy Story Five, you want a bit more money, don't you? Yeah, but I mean who, who, are you kidding yourself or what, mate? Like, I mean, everyone knows the sort of money. I mean, but this is literally this is going to be a Pirates of the Caribbean situation. You got one, is. two, and three, lovely little trilogy, ties up nicely. Then you're gonna have a random four and a random five, which don't connect to one, two, or three. I know people like the fourth one, but still. Yeah, but Disney Pixar have already done this. Yes, I know. With cars, yeah, they well, just they didn't cars, planes. Trucks, <laughs> boats, I don't, like this, I don't know what's going on. Cars, trains and automobiles. Uh, well, I mean, they've just gone a bit nuts with it for some reason. So It is a mm. bit tragic, I think. I mean, even though I think what's happened is there's an awareness. I don't think anything's actually being done about it, but I think Hollywood has gotten to the point where it's aware that, like, all these ridiculous sequels have been happening and there's all these, like, series happening and, like, just basically too much is happening on one IP mm. and there's an awareness of it. But it doesn't really matter. Cause well, I don't care because it's money. Well, I know. I mean, hey, if it's great, <clears throat> I'll be thrilled. I'll be so happy. I'll be jumping for joy. I'll be in that seat in the cinema. I will go watch it multiple times if it's good. But I'm just worried it's not going to be good. But the problem I have, even if it's good, four, to me, will still be bad. Mm. No. And this is this is my this is actually the reason I don't like TV nearly as much as I like film. Is because mm. what you end up with is... You have something that becomes incoherent. Like, it's not... Because it goes on too long. It goes on too mm. long, and it's not a set thing. One, yeah. two, and three, each were individuals, but I can see them, how the third one wrapped it up nicely as a trilogy. And mm-hmm. you can say, okay, actually, I can see... Yeah. Andy's story is done the Andy with story these done. toys. Right, and that's yeah. a good trilogy. It's a, it's a finality. There's a mm-hmm. finality to it. And that's what I don't like about television shows is seasons come around and the finality of things kind of gets lost Mm. and that's why the tv shows i think are the best each season is almost almost pre-planned in a way to say there will be an overarching story across all of these seasons and that's finite and that's what i like about movies is is this finite story in one film not anymore (laughs) i mean that's just how it goes isn't it it's just (laughs) very rarely these days you get a finite ending to a movie it does bug me i mean it does really really does bug me and that's what i'm saying even if the fifth one's good it kind of doesn't matter to me because as something that i can look at and say toy story is great now i have to say toy story one two and three yeah yeah that's annoying i agree I that is frustrating um i know there are people listening who probably really love the fourth one and if that's you i'm actually, i'm happy for you i would love to live in a world where i could love the fourth one that but i don't live so sarcastic <laughs> no i am i i'm not i can't live i can't be happy with it and that's sad and i, I worry the fifth one will be equally disappointing but who knows you know well, have they have they confirmed? I don't know much about. Oh, the I don't know. It's going to come back, and they haven't really said much. But Tim Allen's presumably doing it because he tweeted or put it on Instagram. So, oh, um, and we're not talking about Pixar today. Actually, we're talking about something very, very different. I know we've kind of Pixar. started off a bit of a crazy thing. Well, last week we were talking about Matilda. Mm-hmm. How that was one of my all-time favorite films. Yeah, and I actually mentioned a film in that podcast that links to what we're talking about today. Oh, I talked about Mark and his Natasha which is uh, in Bridget Jones. Bridget Jones. And there's a very famous actor in Bridget Jones now. Now, who would that be? Well, there's multiple famous actors True, in Bridget Jones. But who's the one we're talking about today? Colin Firth. 
No. I know. I'm joking. Q Grant. (laughs) So in our episode a few weeks ago, we talked about the Hugh Grant Renaissance. Well, you talked about it. I mean, this is your your theory. (laughs) We're in the Hugh Grant Renaissance period Mm. where he's in playing villains. He's playing lots of different characters. That's great. Yeah, because for a long time, he was sort of stuck in... Typecast. very similar typecast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it must have been great. It must have made loads of money from the it. The bank was rolling in for him. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> so, mean. so it's not all bad. And actually, some of the films he was in are some of my favourite films of all time. Yeah. Really, there are two films he's We're in. We're exploring a lot of your all-time favourite films. <laughs> I don't know, but that's the point of a nostalgic movie yeah, podcast. Yeah, So today we are talking about Hugh Grant, and we are going to look back at some classic Hugh Grant films. Most of the rom-coms, yeah. Yes. I mean, I can't think of any... Non-rom-com <laughs> before Paddington. Non-rom-com. Ron, I can't even say the word. Non-rom-com. <laughs> That's really hard to say. Non-rom-com. 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 <laughs> I did it. You're very good. Non-rom-com. Well, you could have been a little bit more excited that okay. I did it. It's I'm trying to focus and do it myself. Oh, okay. Non-rom-com. Non-rom-com. Not wrong. Well, I can't do it. I can't do it. You really suck at this. I know. I just, I don't speak well. Um, you can do impressions well enough, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Mark and his Natasha. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, there are no non-rom-coms that we can really talk about of his that were in this sort of nostalgic period we're talking about of mm. 90s and noughties. We can sort of talk about the very first film that was his big break, was which was Maurice. I don't think most people, many people would have seen it. He plays um, a gay man in it and there's a love story between them, which is quite different to then all the rom-coms he did. Yeah. And then he did do Sense and Sensibility with Emma Thompson, Uh, which is a period and he plays a sort of similar character, but it it is a different genre. It's not a rom-com per Mm -hmm. se. So yeah, so those are the two films that do not necessarily fit in. And there might be a few others here and there that he did that went under the radar that I might not have heard about so much. Mm. But his filmography now is extremely different. Like we said, he did Paddington 2, he did Florence Foster Jenkins, he did The Gentleman. Uh, yeah. Loads of different types of films and different types of characters that we haven't really seen him do and for a long time. What a shame, because he's actually a really good actor. Yeah, he is a great actor. I don't think the rom-coms did him justice, but I'm well up for looking at him because I've seen him. Well, <laughs> not all of them. I've seen a decent chunk. Well, some of the rom-coms I absolutely love, and we will go yeah. into what some of my faves are and some of your faves are in okay. a bit. Yeah. But first, I just want to give a bit of background on old Huey. Okay. I mean, I like that you have that that personability with him. Yeah, yeah, we're we're busy mates. Oh uh, yeah, like you and Mira. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but he was born on September 9th, nineteen sixty. It's a bit older than I thought he was. Yeah. So was he sixty-three? Just quick, uh, when did Maurice come out? Do you know? Oh, that would have been like 89 or 90. So he was like early. 30 years old when he got his breakout role? I think it might have been even earlier. Let me just quickly Google that. Because, you know, we want accurate information here. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So Maurice came out in 1987. So he 27 when he got his first big role. Yeah. That's quite late, but I would assume for the 80s that wasn't quite late. But I think for now it's quite late. Not necessarily. I mean, acting is a big slog and it takes... You know, yeah, it takes a while. It will take, it will take years to... And he had, done, he had done other films before that. But that I think the... Maurice put him on the map. I think that film did pretty well. He had good feedback on his performance. Right. So that, I think, definitely helped propel... Just keep his acting career going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But his real big breakthrough leading role was Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yes. He actually won a Golden Globe Award for that film. Which I always forget. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. And he also won a BAFTA for Best Actor for that too. Interesting. So it was that time in sort of the mid-90s he really established himself as leading man. He's solid. You know what you're getting with Hugh Grant. Yeah. That sort of floppy English. Floppy. That's a good way to mean? describe it. Where he just sort of just looks at you and goes, oh, bloody hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got that very floppy English charm about right. him. Right. <laughs> That's all I imagine him saying in all these movies. It's just, right, well. <laughs> he plays characters which are in a way very arrogant and almost British in that sort of non-personableness yeah. that you can have. And then also he's quite gentle and warm, which I think we British aren't. In we don't way. like people, don't let them talk to us. But then also we're very lovely people yeah. at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it is a weird disconnect. It's weird for people that are not used to Britishness, especially like Americans don't mm. really 
get it. And I think that's why American portrayals of British people are not usually quite correct. They can't seem to land that vibe. We know? have this, uh, well, a lot of people don't get our British humour because it's quite self-deprecating and yeah. very straight. Yes. And people think we're, like, insulting people. But we're just yeah saying it, and it's funny. I mean, so I didn't realise, but apparently most European countries don't aren't really, like, sarcastic mm. so lots of europeans don't really understand when people are being sarcastic in the uk i yeah. didn't realize it yeah and i think that is a hallmark of hugh grant's rom-com characters is that they are quite self-deprecating yeah yeah and very weedy yeah and and blunt and yeah no you know. I, I would totally agree um it's just his characters mm. <laughs> it's just his type cast character yeah so but as we said we've seen him break out from that so he obviously can you know he has a good range yeah. as an actor but, but that's, that's why it. when you said about his breakout role with being Maurice, which I didn't realise, um, and he playing a gay character. That's That was interesting to me just because, like, it is so different. I mean, maybe it's not so different, actually, I guess, in a way, but it's not what I would have expected his breakout role to be, knowing where his main attention goes, which is all these rom-coms. Like, mm. you, people know him for that, and it's surprising to hear that he started out with quite a progressive role for the time, I would assume. You know, mm. so that's interesting. And then obviously in Paddington, he plays this like flamboyant version of himself. Version of himself, and I, it's like, yeah, it's just really interesting. He's obviously got a good sense of humour if he can play that role as well. And poke fun at himself. Yeah, if he can poke fun at himself like that, it's <laughs> food commercial. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is even though we're joking about how many rom coms he's in, and you know he does play a very similar character in most of them, he plays it well. There's a reason he's getting he's hired. He's solid. I mean, he performs it well. Well enough, at least, you know, and he's, he's good every time and people like him. But he didn't actually study acting, per se. He went to the University of Oxford. He went on a scholarship, apparently. Oh, Ooh, must be a pretty intelligent man. Most actors are, I think. Yeah, I mean, a lot of actors do end up having gone to Cambridge or Oxford. Well, I think... To, you do have to be sharp and you have to be self-aware and... In the same yeah. vein as, like, a comedian. Mm. I think comedians, to be a good comedian, you will have to be smart. You will have to... Mostly, you'll have to understand political dimensions of things. And mm. so that just translates. And I mean, most actors come out and they'll they'll be in an interview and they'll be like talking about something. You'll be like, oh, my God, you're actually insanely intelligent. Like Daniel Radcliffe, for example, like you see him mm. in interviews. And it's like, oh, wait, actually, he's really, he's really clever. Yeah. Maybe that's why with Paddington 2, he wanted to play a character that or play a character which shows him as a person is very self-aware and he can poke fun at himself because yeah. he's intelligent enough to know that he's sort of been playing this, these stereotypical roles. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because in um, 2022, I think it was Time Out, they listed him as one of the greatest actors of all time. I don't even disagree. I mean, like, mm. respect, you know? I mean, he's been around for a long time. He's done the typecast role, and now he's showing he can do everything else. What more do you actually want? Like, he's, he's diverse, he's good. And I, even, weirdly, even though you see Hugh Grant, you think Hugh Grant rom-com mm. right i don't look at him in the same way that i look at like chris pratt in a movie and i go that's chris pratt mm. whereas i don't look at hugh grant and just go that's just hugh grant i think like oh hugh grant's playing a character yeah you know? and i i would say that actually even within the rom-coms there's there's enough like color in there that they yeah. are slightly different and he's believable mm-hmm. in whatever that role is even if they are similar and even if the films themselves are kind of similar are you just doing the dance? I'm doing the dance. The love actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, he hated that scene. He I mean, was dreading it. Yeah. He said he was absolutely dreading it. But it's funny because I feel like he can make fun of himself. And in Paddington 2, for example, they do the whole musical number at the end. Listen to the rain on the roof. Yeah. Go bit, bitty, bad, but, which was thrown in at the last minute because apparently, I think it was one of the directors or someone else was just singing that song on set. Yeah. And he was like, what is that song? And then they um, looked it up and were like, oh, it'd be great if he did like a little musical number. <laughs> <laughs> That's so jokes. I didn't even realise that was a thing. Yeah. But I suppose the difference is maybe what he thought was maybe he thought his character in that time wouldn't do this. So he felt awkward doing Yeah, that. that's true. I mean, actors that's fair as well if you're an actor and yeah you have a creative difference with the director unfortunately as an actor you have to do what the director yeah. says <laughs> just, so, Richard, Richard Curtis was like you're dancing okay <laughs> okay. Um, okay Boy, I mean yeah exactly that's what I'm saying um, I also just wanted to mention because it's come to my mind now during this whole rom-com time 
there's a documentary that came out recently about, and I'm not totally sure of all the details. I don't know if you know much about this, but like he talks about um, how he was targeted a lot by um, like the press and what's the guy that owns Fox? The the guy that Richard Murdoch. No. Yeah, uh, Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch and yeah. how like he's basically come out in support of others who are really trying to go after Rupert Murdoch because he like hacked his his phones. And, oh like, yeah, I remember and, that like, whole thing. People were listening in on his conversations, and so he's like at the moment, I'm pretty sure he's like a big advocate for protecting artists, privacy. journalists, privacy, mm-hmm. and like basically just saying the media you can't get away with this anymore like you can't do this yeah i mean he was a huge star in the 90s and yeah yeah there was a whole thing there was a whole i'm not going to go into like rumors and what actually did happen really because it's not really relevant um but there was a whole thing about him sleeping with a hooker and all this stuff well people people will care yeah but i mean what i'm saying what i'm saying is like it's not this it shouldn't have been the circus that the media make it yeah and then pursue him do what he wants and then yeah exactly and then they pursue and dog him all that time and you don't get any privacy exactly and you know that's unfortunately a story that a lot of famous people experience yeah but it's great that he's using his voice to speak out against it that's always great (laughs) um what i want to start off with asking is what is your favorite hugh grant rom-com my favourite Hugh Grant rom-com. Wow. Because um, I have a toss between two. I'm going to say what... This kind of falls into the time period, but I'm not sure if I would count it as a rom-com. I really like About a Boy. I'm not sure if that falls into rom-com genre. I think we can have it in rom-com. Okay, we'll put it in rom-com. Uh, very nostalgic film for me. But I'm going to say one that I didn't see until I was a little bit older, but I've watched quite a few times now. And I was surprised that I liked it so much. Mm. Notting Hill. Oh. I really like Notting Hill. That's and a I, classic. It is a classic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just it's a classic song from it. Um, is that the one where she goes, I'm just a girl asking a guy to love me, her? Yeah, or to love me or something yeah, like yeah. that, yeah. That was the worst line in the film. <laughs> <laughs> that was literally the worst. That's like the iconic line. <laughs> that felt really out of place to me, and I'm so, so surprised that that was the iconic thing. I mean, I can see why it's the iconic line, but it, it felt what it felt like was... Curtis was just like, I've got an iconic line that's going to be in the film. <laughs> like, I hate that. Yeah. Like, just write. Like, don't, don't like. You felt like it was purposely put in there to be a moment of impact that people hoped would be the film yes, remembered. Yes, exactly. That's exactly the way it should be put. Is It yeah. felt like it was forced in there to be a moment people would remember. And actually, the most genuine and nice moments about it are not that bit. His lines are actually way better. And his portrayal is way better in that scene but yeah Notting Hill is just about this girl who's uh, this woman sorry who's a famous actress she comes over from the US um what's her name Julia Roberts Julia Roberts thank you very much blanking on names today um and she just walks into a bookstore he happens to own it and And there's a love story I really like it and I think it's why do you like it so much compared to why do I like it so much I'm not really sure just a bit of comfort food, a bit, bit enjoyable. I think you, you're quite right. It's a bit of comfort food, you know. I can put it on and just think, you know, this is chill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like this it's, is chill. It's, so it's fine. But that's why I say About a Boy is, like, up there because it's so nostalgic and it's such a good film. Mm. And I don't know if you'd want to say more about that, but, like, mm. just for me, I really like it. And, yeah, those are probably the two. Okay, you know what? What's your favourite? Because I've said mine. So have you Have you got one in mind? Well, I have... I, mine's a toss-up between two. Okay. And can you guess... Um, well... Kind of just gave from, it away by then. I mean, I know we both love a battle boy. And mm-hmm. if we're including this in the rom-con list, I wouldn't be surprised if that was in the toss-up. Uh, and I feel like for us, Love Actually is a nostalgic one, but I wouldn't say that's your favourite. Um, I'm going to go for Bridget Jones. Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Bridget Jones as well. Okay, but sorry, Karen. So I love About Boy and Bridget Jones. They're both those sorts of films which I can put on and watch a bajillion times. Yeah. I can't count the amount of times I've seen both the films. So many. I don't care if it's on TV and I just watched it yesterday. I'm putting, I'm watching it. I'm sitting yeah, there and yeah, I'm watching yeah, yeah. it. I don't care. Um, Bridget Jones is. I know it's it's kind of a Christmas film. It's not really, but I always uh, love. I always watch it around Christmas, yeah. and it just makes me feel very nostalgic. We had it on video, yeah. and I was quite young. I must have been like nine, eight, or nine when I was watching it. But they had that. They had the advert at the beginning for the like the wind farms. <laughs> I know, and they said, <laughs> then they said these will be happening in two thousand and five, and I used to think, 
whoa, 2005 is ages away. And oh my oh. goodness. <laughs> Isn't that weird? 2023, mate. <laughs> I know. And I, I know that has nothing to do with um, Hugh Grant, but <laughs> just saying. Um, also, about Bridget Jones, mm. did you have any idea that Renee Zellweger wasn't British? No, not when I was a kid. I, mean, no, I, I didn't know that for years. Oh, I literally really? did not have a clue. I'd never seen her in anything else, let alone with an American accent. Oh, right. I but thought she no. was British. No, no, she does it. So she does Bridget Jones really great, and I think Bridget Jones, the casting's top form, talking about Hugh Grant specifically, really great as that character. It's got that arrogant thing going on, sort of like also slimy and, yeah. um, but like charismatic at the same time. Yeah. You can see how Bridget sort of falls for him, and I'm glad he gets his fall from grace as he deserves. We're not talking about. I'm not going to talk about Bridget Jones too because that kind of doesn't follow through. But no. but yeah, I, I always think of Bridget Jones as the. Um, the bunny costume. Yeah. That's really funny. With the like Tarts and Vickers. Tarts. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's just oh, it's so funny. And I I like the way that I mean this isn't necessarily talking about um Hugh Grant, but like Bridget Jones is I like the sort of diary style of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's really nice, like really cool take and it's a really good way to have done it. Yeah, definitely. I mean it is based on a book which was based on a column that was in a newspaper that the writer had and she was doing this sort of women in their early 30s who were struggling through life and all their ups and downs and yeah it's a very sort of real voice there and Bridget Jones feels really real and Hugh Grant's character is really good almost like villain for her to go up against and he does that really well it's got such a pro dynamic between uh, Hugh and Colin yeah they're such such a dynamic duo yeah it's it's like the classic British, British love rom-commy yeah, guys of yeah, that era. Yeah. So I can see why lots of people liked. And they've them. been in quite a few together. Yeah, like the, I'm sure they have. I feel like they did a um, period drama that they were in together. Yeah, they were. Were they both in Sense of Sensibility or they're in something else? There's, there's another one that's like that where they're both some sort of period drama where they're both in it. It might be Sense of Sensibility. I can't remember. But mm. um, and then obviously they're in Love Actually and all those. Yeah, exactly. So, they're they're very iconic for that era. This yeah. rom-com time 90s into the uh, noughties 90s. Mm, uh, 90s. Yeah. um so bridget jones is one of my favorites good show for hugh grant good show then the other one as i said is about a boy yeah good film and actually i think the reason about boy is one of my favorites actually puts more of an emphasis on hugh's performance right because i think his performance is excellent yes in about a boy. yeah 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 He's great. He's so good at that sort of immature, just hasn't grown up yet, almost stuck in his own head. Emotionally stunted. stunted, Yeah, yeah. he's emotionally stunted and how he comes out of his shell through the film and how he matures and his relationship with the kid. He learns a lot and you really, even though it's kind of a rom-com, I'd say it's a bit more of a drama than a rom-com. Yeah, that's why I wasn't sure. Yeah, but I think it does fall into that, but um, it's very nuanced his performance, I think, and the film as a whole, mm-hmm. even though it's a very entertaining and funny film as well. It's 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 great because I watched a video recently that was talking about great acting versus overacting mm. and how a lot of the time what wins awards and what um, um, gets people's attention is overacting. And part of that comes to the Joker, which is you can be so expressive and you can be mm. so, you know, so creative. But the nice thing about his role in About a Boy, like you're saying, is the nuance and just him and his looks just sort of like just making mm. why are you smiling I know, I'm just thinking of funny lines in my head from uh, about okay, a boy yeah. but um <laughs> like the bit where he's um the kid says I'll be back and he's like ooh I'm really scared and then he's like <laughs> really and, and then the voiceover is truth is I was really scared <laughs> it's great yeah um yeah no, that, it, there's some really great lines in it but what I mean is it's just perf- his performance is there are moments where he's really expressive, like he's like, I'm bloody Ibiza. <laughs> like, I am an island, I'm bloody Ibiza. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, what? Like, there are moments like that, but then there's other subtle bits, like the, the sequence where he realises he's actually a loner mm. and is just kind of like sitting on the couch, like Impressed. like almost expressionless, but is saying so much through so little. Yeah, I think that's really, that's like good acting. Yeah. yeah, and the whole film is really well directed and actually, you know, I felt really special because I tweeted about how About a Boy is one of my faves and it's a great film mm-hmm. and Chris Sweets, one of the writers and directors, yeah. tweeted me back and said, oh, thanks for watching. I was like, yeah, I'm famous. Chris Sweets like, has written one of the recent Man. Star Wars films or something. So, you know, I feel fancy. That's not bad. It's not bad, is it? 
Connections? <laughs> Connections. <laughs> Always networking. Yeah. Can you give me a job, Chris? <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please. <laughs> um, but no, there's a... Sweet. <laughs> if you haven't listened to our latest episode all about Matilda, you should because that was a little reference there. It was so funny. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so about a boy or Bridget Jones. I think if I was really pushed into a corner... I would say actually because we are talking about rom-coms I would say Bridget Jones because that's more firmly in the genre which is kind of why I went Notting Hill Notting Hill Um, what I'd like to do is go through I'm just going to say all the rom-coms his key rom-coms and then we can talk a bit more in detail about them I'm not afraid let's let's, hit hit, hit me with it well we're starting with the thing that launched it all like I said Four Weddings and a Funeral Uh Richard Curtis Classic Uh do you know it it's got 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. I wish it didn't. That is a high badge of honour. Mm. You don't like it? I genuinely think it's really bad. Okay. Never mind. Sorry. To Four Weddings and a Funeral. That's right. Moving on. Moving oh, on. We're just sort of, we're skimming these. We're just we're going one after the other. Okay, then, I don't know if you call Sense and Sensibility a rom-com. Probably not. But that was 95. And uh, that was another biggish film for him. Yeah, um, I don't know if I... And then we get into the territory of Notting Hill, 1999. Oh, good film. That's why I said it was my favourite. There was a really good interview with um, Hugh Grant where he said Richard Curtis talked to him about this role in Notting Hill, and Hugh Grant was like, Oh, I don't really want to play that sort of floppy British charming guy again. And Richard was like, No, no, it's going to be totally different. It's a very different role. And then Hugh Grant (laughs) said, And I got there and literally did the exact same thing. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So I can imagine him doing that, just be like, Bloodier. <laughs> like, Here we are again. Also, I know this is such a random fact, but Notting Hill. We were speaking about Alec Baldwin in the last episode. And Alec Baldwin's in Notting Hill really randomly as well. Just is makes it a really? really yeah, it makes a really random appearance, and I'm just like, why are you in this film? Because I've seen Notting Hill, but I don't remember Alec Baldwin. He being plays in it. her husband who visits oh. for like four minutes and then dips. Oh, okay, maybe I do remember that. He literally is in it for like two memory. seconds, and when I first watched it, I was like. The bloody hell is he doing here? <laughs> Why is he in this movie? Oh, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Oh, funny. All right, next one. Let's, see, let's go. Let's keep that going. was 99. Then we have the excellent Bridget Jones in 2001. Mm, and then funny. we have About a Boy in 2002. Mm-hmm. So my two faves, right side by side they are. Whoa, really 2002. I don't know in my head I thought About a Boy was a bit later. Quite early. It is quite early. Well, actually, I... I think 2002 is when I thought it came out. So. I don't know. In my head, it was like 2006, but clearly I'm wrong. And that has a 93% Rotten Tomato rating. So it's pretty high as well. I'm so surprised that Four Weddings and a Funeral is that high. But I mean, we, we don't have to go in depth, but I just was... I guess if you think about Four Weddings and a Funeral, it was Richard Curtis's big first film, Hugh Grant. It really launched that style of film. Maybe for us, it's old and aged because... There's been all these Love Actually and other Richard Curtis films, which are all quite yeah. similar. But if you think that was the first one, obviously at the time had a big impact. Yeah, and it's, it's laid the, the groundwork for the Richard Curtis yeah. films of the future and even Hugh Grant's sort of performance of his own persona from Four Weddings, you know? I mean, I guess from my perspective watching it, I, I guess taking outside of that context, which is important, so I understand that, but taking it outside of that context, my impression of the film was characters not very well written, story not very interesting, and quite awkward portrayals. Like the leading woman, what was I can't remember her name. Andy McDowell. She, yeah, Andy McDowell. I thought she was really bad. Oh. I well, I think. Really it. But I think the film did really well in the UK, and I think it also did really well in America. And it's yeah. a very like playing on those English stereotypes. That might be why I don't like it because Maybe. I, I feel like um, it's too much playing on those stereotypes. Yeah, I feel like Notting Hill kind of hits a nice like I don't mid ground. Like, yeah, it hits a nice mid ground where I'm not like this is a ridiculous portrayal of Britain. Like this kind of like that. And there's that in Notting Hill. There's like a dinner party scene where she comes to meet his friends for the first time, and the dad from Paddington, I can't remember his name, but he's he's there and he's just like, oh, what do you do? do you? Yes, I was an actor once. <laughs> yes, I was like. Terrible line of work. And oh, yeah, like, no, I remember that like, line. How much did you make on your last film? $15 million. Yeah. Right, very good then. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, that's quite, like, it's quite British, and I, I quite like that. Yeah. But I felt with Four Weddings and Funeral, wasn't that? All right, fair enough. So we have About a Boy in 2002. Okay. Then we jump to Two Weeks Notice, also in 2002. So that's with Sandra Bullock, and that's where he plays. Ah, uh, yes. They, like, work together in New York, and or maybe it's somewhere else. 
Oh, I did watch this Seattle. relatively recently, actually. Yeah. I watched this like a couple of years ago, but I don't think I knew I was the, watching Two Weeks Notice. They're like, a, it's like they're a corporate. Yeah, yeah. She's like a lawyer or something. Yeah. And he's just like an egotist, whatever. He's a classic. Hugh yeah, Grant. He's, he's Hugh Grant. <laughs> um, and then we get Love Actually 2003, obviously. British staple. British staple, Christmas, a Richard Curtis classic. Almost everyone under the sun who's like a famous British actor is in that movie. The best thing about that film is Rowan Atkinson. He makes like, an appearance for two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he's off. It doesn't hold up well. The movie? Yeah. Some of it doesn't. I, I watched it recently, like this last Christmas, actually. It's, it's a little bit, con- I don't know, something about it feels, I don't want to say offensive. Maybe offensive is not right, but like... It's, it's, it hasn't held up necessarily well in like this, the social context of now and how we talk about women and other things. Yeah. But also, this is sort of jumping facts, but... Apparently, Love Actually is thought of as a Thanksgiving movie in America, which is kind of interesting. All right, fair enough. <laughs> this is Americans interpreting British, so we don't know what's yeah, going on. Who does? <laughs> um, so we have Love Actually, 2003, yeah. and then Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason, 2004. I don't really remember it. I, I remember the first one so vividly. And I... Okay, so I say I don't like it that much, and definitely not as much number one, but still when it's on, I will watch it. <laughs> So yeah, I can't it's, dislike it's, that much. it's Renee, Hugh, and Colin. Hugh's not in it that much. He's only in it for less than half the movie, I would say. Yeah. She goes to Thailand, I think it is, and he's there. Um, they're doing a project together because he's now a TV presenter. You know, he's successful again. And he's sort of trying to seduce her and says he'll be faithful to her and everything. But he's he says he's got a sex addiction. He ends up hiring a, like, a prostitute. And Renee finds out she's not best pleased. She's always going to go back to Colin, mate. Come on. Yeah, every time. Colin every day. <laughs> every time. All right, so that's Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason, 2004. Ooh, that has a 27% tomato rating. Ooh, baby. And then we have a film that I actually tickles me. I quite like this one, even though I know it's necessarily not great. Uh, but it tickles me. We've got Music and Lyrics, 2007. I thought it was going to be that. I, <laughs> I, quite like, I quite like the songs in it. <laughs> I know most people probably hate it, but... I, 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 hey, my, it's 63% tomato rating, so it can't be that No, bad. people like music and lyrics. I, I don't... I wouldn't doubt that. I think people do like that film. I just always think of it as like... I never... It's not memorable to me. Then pop goes my heart. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> then just a little hip thrust. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think... The, we just did a little dance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. I don't think the chemistry between Hugh Grant and Drew Barrymore is great either. Our dance it's, chemistry was on point, though. <laughs> yeah, our dance chemistry was on point. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, I don't think that... Their chemistry on screen wasn't as electric, you might say, as between There's um, more Renee chemistry and between uh, Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler. Well, yeah, they've done like three, four films together. I know. Anyway, so that's Musical Lyrics 2007. Mm-hmm. And then we have Did You Hear About the Morgans 2009, which I can't say I've seen. It, was I, like, it has I've a 12% it, percent I, Rotten Tomato. Rating. I don't remember it. And, and it's, it's, yeah, mm. not the one. I don't think. And that's kind of where we get up to in terms mm. of his rom-coms. So, you know, it's a comprehensive list there. Not as many as I thought. Yeah, you think that's going to be loads, but actually, looking at this. I feel like what I thought was there'd be more Richard Curtis. I mean, the thing is, when you're a filmmaker, you can't just churn out a film year after year. You've got to, he writes his own script, so he's got to write the thing, then he's got to get it financed, and he's got to get it made. So the process of making a movie as a director is, you know, two to three years minimum. And it's very hard to work on two films at once. You just went to sleep. No, no, I know, but my thinking was in, like, the vein of Four Weddings and a Funeral and Notting Hill, I thought they were more like that. Mm. Because the rest of them were kind of separate. Whereas I feel like Notting Hill and Four Weddings and a Funeral are... I was about to say the same film. They're not the same Mm. film, but just, like, the whole aesthetic, feel, vibe is all similar. Whereas the others don't have that similar vibe, even oh. though they're all rom-coms. What do you think about Love Actually, that fit in there? No, Love Actually doesn't fit in Because that's a rich, Richard Curtis But it doesn't, it doesn't feel... It's not the same. Love Actually is not the same as the other two, in the sense that the other two are both, like, singular love stories, mm-hmm. which revolve around the one couple coming together and being together. And Love, love Actually just feels like a, these vignettes kind of put together, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and and so, yes, it's still about love. It's still a rom-com. I get that. But the aesthetic and the feel does not feel the same. Mm. 
Well, I should mention that Richard Curtis was actually um, one of the screenwriters on Bridget Jones and Bridget Jones' Edge of Reason as well. I can believe it. Mm. He didn't direct it. They had women direct both those films, actually, oh, which well, is good. Good, yeah. Very good. But um, Probably speaks to why they're actually pretty good. Yeah, they are good. I feel like um, his character in Bridget Jones as that sort of villainy, arroganty guy, mm. definitely crosses into Two Weeks Notice, as we say, right. and the other Bridget Jones film. And then I do think that, I think basically Hugh Grant, he's got that sort of arrogant, villainy, annoying guy, which also creeps into music and lyrics, I think, as well. Right. And then you have sort of floppy, romantic, sweetie, yeah. sweet-faced boy, which is in Four Weddings, Notting Hill. Which Colin takes up the role of in Bridget Jones. Yeah, exactly. And I also think that that sort of character also comes into love actually him as the prime minister that's sort yeah, of slightly sort of weedy because like, he's in love with his secretary yeah he exactly he's not really sure yeah exactly or... and then i would say yes and then he starts dancing to jump for no reason love it <laughs> and then then you have a bad boy which i think is very standalone in terms of his yeah character it's performance. not it doesn't again it's not really a rom-com richard Curtis was not on that at all no. No, no, that was just totally different. Right. Yeah, so I would count, I kind of count him as having those three characters, if you will, mm-hmm. in all these rom coms. Yeah. Arroganty, sort of stuck up, stiff English guy, and you have the sort of weedy, more romantic or slightly almost like naive sort of feel where you warm to him. To yeah. yeah. And then you have just about a boy where it's more of a unique character mm-hmm. where he's playing this sort of more emotionally stunted, complicated guy. On the surface, he's not complicated, but yeah. actually peel back the layers, peel back the onion. Oh, yeah. And Very you see. complicated. Exactly. Yeah, no. But what do you, do you like music and lyrics? You seem to not like that one. I haven't seen it in a while. I remember from it, ironically, is it's not very memorable. <laughs> I, I like, I just think it never. I've been sleeping me. with a cloud above my bed. Yeah. And although, this is going to sound really Somewhere weird. Like, I really like Drew Barrymore, mm-hmm. but I think sometimes she's really boring in her films. And I think... Oh, really? That's yeah, and I think... Like, there are times where I love Drew Barrymore, mm. and there are also times where I'm like, she's really boring to watch right now. That's interesting, because I think she's got a very charismatic, watchable-ness about her. In some Even of it, if she's not doing I don't anything. get taken. Oh, yeah. I don't, and I think in music and lyrics, I just thought, this is really uninteresting. I think that's more to do with the chemistry between them, though. It that that is also a thing. I do remember thinking like because there's a bit where they're like sitting at the piano, right? And mm-hmm. I guess that's like an iconic bit. But I'm just like bobbed. Like <laughs> I, I just there's nothing. Here's a question then for you. Okay, here we go. Which of his rom-com female counterparts that he has in all those movies? Who does he have the best connection and chemistry with? Oh, Bridget Jones. You think so? Without, without, like a... Yeah. Well, I'm not going to say him and the kid and about a boy. Could you say Julia Roberts or whoever else? Sandra Bullock. Um, what's her name? The romance in Andy Madal. No, no, in about a boy. The romantic interest he has. Rachel mom, Weiss. Rachel Weiss. Uh, Weiss, sorry. But Rachel Weiss. I, I think, think it's Rachel. Weiss? Yeah, I think Rachel, it's Weiss. Ra- Rachel Weiss. We'll go with that. I actually think the chemistry between them is really nice. I think it's great as well, actually. So I would actually say that's better. Or than Bridget Jones. Though, yeah, than Bridget Jones, even though it's a lot shorter. Like, mm. it's not... It's not like screen. the main staple of the storyline. Yeah. Whereas it's, it's obviously all about... Actually, Bridget the connection Jones. between them is really good. Like, when they first meet, they've got a really nice, like, chemistry and they're talking really nicely. And then when they're... The scene where he's in her house and the boys are upstairs and she's showing him art and he's just sitting there like yeah staring at like her. he's literally like <laughs> loves know, it yeah he's literally loves it like he's like oh my god i've seen that live by the way one of my friends that happened to one of my friends it's really funny oh somebody being lovesick live. yeah like, lo- like, like, that like, like where, where they see that they're talking to someone and you can tell they're just like in love with them <laughs> like it's literally just yeah it's Very really funny sweet. but i think that's really good chemistry and bridget jones i think as much as i love notting hill the chemistry in that is okay. Mm. Like it, it's apparently Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant hated each other. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised. He always says though that um, he does an interview on Graham Norton where he says Julia Roberts hates me, Renee Zellweger hates me, Drew Barrymore loathes me, Rachel Vice hates me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's just not very likable. <laughs> maybe, but he's jokes. But he might just be, you know, being self-effacing like, I mean the thing is we look back at it now and we think oh he's you know so inwardly reflective and can take the take the piss out of himself right but maybe back then he wasn't like that 
Possibly. And, you know, he's in all these romance movies. You probably get a bit of an ego. Yeah, yeah. He true. probably was quite egotistical. And I mean, he's like, hey, I'm Mr. Big Shot. I'm working. I'm doing all these lead male romance. I'm getting paid a crap ton of money. Like, well, it is. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Well, you but it could, also, it could also be the opposite where he's actually feeling insecure and he's like, I keep getting these roles and I don't want to be doing, I can act more diversely than true it's, yeah and he's actually feeling stuck and a bit defensive about it yeah it could be that as well maybe yeah maybe thought he was like too good to do this kind of thing you know uh, or maybe just or just getting frustrated out. that he's not like been able to stretch his acting chops he's just like i'm doing this because i'm getting you know i'm getting good money mm-hmm. but also is this what i signed up for as an like an actor who wants to be in interesting work maybe yeah. not well maybe he should get in contact with them all and make amends mm. lovely Oh, lovely. <laughs> how lovely how lovely <laughs> I, I'm sure he doesn't lose sleep over it no probably not and also things change and working on a movie set is very intense and mm. even with someone you like you can get annoyed by them very easily I'm sure so yeah. I, you know and they pull it off even though the chemistry and music and lyrics isn't as great as some of the other ones I'm still a sucker who enjoys the movie and asked to watch it so mm. well yeah I mean I've also been struck this is slightly off topic but kind of relates to what we were saying about Hugh Grant. Like, I've been struck lately by, in a way, how different actors are from the roles that they play. Yeah. And it's weird when you watch, like, an interview or you watch them live. Like, what I find really strange is I watch we watch Friends all the time, right? And I know the, the people kind of as the characters. But then when I've actually seen them all, a lot of them are kind of awkward and, like, just don't really talk. Mm. And they just kind of sit there and go... Yeah, well, we did this, and it was really good. And they, that that's it. That's all you get out of them. And I'm just like, this is weird. Like, why is this... I don't know. Maybe maybe Hugh Grant is just different, you know, from that in-person and stuff. I don't know. Are you saying he comes across very similarly when you hear him in interviews, or are you saying he doesn't? I'm saying that from what I have seen of him just talking, I get the impression that he's quite open to talking about things mm. and he can have good discussions and he's willing to talk about what he's passionate about and mm. clearly loves acting, right? But w- Some maybe, other actors aren't like that. And uh, Yeah, I'm always struck by actors who aren't like that and who will play like quite boisterous roles but then will kind of just in an interview like just not talk or if they're to, at an award... Like Christian Stewart. Yeah, it's just like nothing. Like it's because it's because acting, you're performing, and a lot of actors are really shy, and that's why they act because it gives them an outlet and they mm. like being other people. Yeah. I would say I'm quite shy when you get to know me, or, or no, not not the other way around. You're quite just shy. <laughs> I'm quite shy. You know when, your deepest darkest secrets, and you, you just shy away. You just <laughs> I'm just like no, not <laughs> no. I meant the other way around. I'm quite yeah. shy probably on first meeting, but if I'm meeting a I don't know, like a cast or a crew when I have to do something big and important. I don't you can't know. be shy. You can't be shy. You just have to jump into it. And I think, yeah. you know, it's professional head versus, you know, mm. who you are. And yeah. and also with actors, like we were talking about earlier, they do get such an invasion of privacy and it's yeah. hard to deal with that fame. A lot of times, like your response, like a panic response probably just be to shut off and not give people, add fuel to the fire. Right. You know. Um, yeah. And I guess I my my point was more, or not was more, but my point about Hugh Grant is that maybe there's a side to him that we just don't know about. Or, you know, like that we just didn't see and he's not necessarily like that. And it, going back to what we said about, you know, I don't know, the four women not liking him or whatever. <laughs> but it's it does strike me sometimes how he's like, oh, he's, he's not that romance guy. Like, he's not that kind of weedy, sleazy guy. He's just sort of Hugh Grant. He's, like, normal. No, yeah. I mean, all actors are normal, and yeah. they have good relationships with people and bad relationships with people. And maybe they did like him, and he was just joking that they all hated yeah, him. Yeah, probably. And, you know, things can be blown out of proportion. Yeah, yeah. These are all just reports, so you don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think any actor, you know, deserves that level of privacy, and you mm-hmm. know. Uh, just because you're in a film doesn't mean everyone has to know everything about you. Mm-hmm. Which is what Hugh Grant is fighting for. Yeah. Let's just stop, you know. I know. Yeah, fair enough. Um, okay, I've got a question. Mm-hmm. What is there anything that you would like to see him take on or mm. anything that you would like to see him do in the future? Yes, what do I want to see from the Hugh Grant renaissance? <laughs> mm. I don't know. I, I really enjoy seeing him do sort of villainy roles. Mm, yeah. And 
you know, I am excited for mm. is if he's going to be in the new Knives Out film because he plays Daniel Craig's partner in that. So I'd be interested to see if they expand his role because he's literally got like a two-second cameo in the new one. He's like barely in it. Uh, I wonder if they'll expand and do something with his character in that. Still haven't seen Glass Onion. Okay, well, I'll, I'll let you watch it. I won't say anything. Okay. Yeah, I've heard it's not as good as the first one, and that's all I know. So. Agreed. It's not as good as the first one. Well, oh yeah, I'll watch it at some point because I want to watch it. But I didn't even realise that he was in it. I mean, he's b- barely in it, I would say. Yeah, it's literally He's okay. not in it much. But I'd be interested to see if they do something with that or if he's just always going to be sort of in the background. I quite like that. Um, and you know, we were just watching Modern Family before this. Mm. I didn't even realise, in the first series, Edward Norton makes a really weird cameo. Oh, does he? Yeah, and he plays this, like, rocking guitarist from England, right? <laughs> he makes this, like, really weird, like, appearance in one episode for their anniversary. And it came out of nowhere. It was so random. I was like, why is Edward Norton in this, like, series one of this random American television show? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just think, speaking of cameos, and then, then, obviously, Edward Norton's in Glass Onion, right? Yeah, he is yeah, he's the main like, one of the main guys. Of, yeah. Um... All right, well, I'll let you make your happy your own mind about Glass Onion, but... Oh, yeah, if there are more Knives Out films, I'd be interested to see what what they do with his character, if they do anything at all, or he'll just be sort of a background sort of character that's does cameo here and there. Mm. But in terms of genre, I'd be really interested to see him in something really, like, dark and gritty, like a horror or mm. a thriller, you know, something dark. He was in The Undoing, which was a thriller, and he was good in that, actually. Is The Undoing um, the television show? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I always think, because everyone said he was fantastic. In yeah, he was really, 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 really good. And that's why it'd be really interesting to see him in something even darker, like a horror, oh, something mystery, mm, something cool and meaty, you know? It just makes, it makes me a little bit sad. Why? I feel like, well, like, we got these great films right out of it, but it, it must have been hard to, like, basically 20 years of his life going, I, re- I really want to do something exciting. Like, something I wanna, else, yeah. I want to do something cool, like something creative, and he just gets stuck. So Richard Curtis like, we got something really innovative for you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he comes along, bloody hell. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you're not going to be playing the same character, I promise. No, no, no. But yeah, I'm just doing the same thing. <laughs> Classic. Funny. Well, I mean, it's a really interesting evolution, and mm-hmm. I'm glad we have the chance to look back at these classic rom coms and see sort of that midpoint of his career where he, yeah, was sort of stuck, I suppose. Mm. And like I said, that even within the characters, and I don't know if you count about boys and rom com, but in this instance, we are. There is some color in there, and he's been able to do some like good, interesting, and good work in it. Yeah. It's not as if he's done load of bad films and didn't perform well in them. He definitely mm. did. But I can see it's like from an acting point of view how he might have felt a bit stuck or wanted to break out, or maybe he wanted to get interesting offer roles from mm. more indie films or whatever yeah. it is, and he yeah. just didn't. Uh, but I'm glad, you know, it's good to have that, and now we can see how he's grown. And it's a great he, case study. And really again, he's study. got a lot more options now, and I feel like all the films he's done and the TV show, The Undoing. And he will go down as, I mean, uh, what was it, Forbes, greatest actor of uh, all time? Time, time magazine, time greatest actor, whatever. But he will also probably go down now as a British icon. Oh, he is, yeah, definitely. So, there you go. Definitely. And uh, the, the fact that he's in, like, multiple of my favourite films, Paddington 2, True. About a Boy, Bridget Jones. He's doing something right. He's doing something right, exactly. <laughs> Indeed. And those are all films that I can easily rewatch again and again and, and very much enjoy. And they're very, very nostalgic for me, particularly About a Boy and Bridget Jones, for yeah. sure. Wow. Very good. Then. That was our look back at a classic British icon, mm-hmm. which which was very Hugo. exciting. Could you call him next? Colin Firth, not as exciting for me. I don't know why. I love a bit of Colin, mate. I do like Colin Firth, but I think I prefer Hugh Grant. I think Colin didn't quite get stuck in that. No, he didn't. He had more diverse roles. A little fun fact about um, Hugh Grant, though. Oh, okay. He was offered a role in a very famous British classic movie, which he turned down, which would have been a bit different for him. Not super different, but a bit different. Is this relating to Colin or not? No, it's Hugh Grant. Okay. Um, well, we were just talking about <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. no. Yeah, it's, like, not really, it's not that Colin first took the role. Um, but a different British iconic actor did. Uh, James Bond? No. Oh, I don't know then. It's oh. a very classic British franchise. I can tell you the actor who actually played the character if you want. And see if you remember who the character is. Okay. It was played by Kenneth Branagh. I know who Kenneth Brenner is, that's a good start. <laughs> it is um, a good start, yeah. 
think of a very famous British franchise that spawned a lot of movies, a lot of games, a lot of books. The books came first. All of you're telling me, I've got James Bond in my head. Because but this is literally... They didn't have like, books and games and... Well, maybe it did. But. It was books, it became films, <laughs> and then okay, there's fine. games. I don't understand how that's not... Well, books. this is a bit more kiddie then, shall I say that? Oh, kiddie. Um, famous Five. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, what, Paddington? No, like, the biggest British franchise ever. Literally huge. <sighs> Pop culture taken over for years while these films came out. Oh my, this is going to be really Loads of famous British actors are in the movies. Uh, we mentioned in the last podcast one of the movies. Oh, mate. Why don't you just embarrass me now? I'm thinking if you've got something from it and you're in this room. British, French... Give me another clue. I need another clue. Was it? Harry Potter. Yes. Who did Ken and Brown the play in Harry Potter? Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh dear you obviously you don't remember the second movie very well at all evidently the second one is the second one <sighs> Chamber of Secrets Chamber of Secrets ring any bells one of the teachers yes I don't remember <sighs> so Hugh Grant was offered to play Gilroy Lockhart which is played by Kenneth Branagh which is the Defence Against the Dark Arts teacher in the second one who's all like sort of over the top and hello and performative and everything uh... And why did he didn't he turn that down or they didn't cut Yeah, turn it down. I don't know if it's entirely accurate, but apparently he it clashed with two weeks' notice. I mean he's never really done a kid film. I guess about boy is a PG, so that I guess can sort of counts as a kid film, but Paddington? No, no, as in at that time oh. in his career he didn't hadn't right, okay. hadn't done a film like that, I wouldn't have said. In like yeah. a massive franchise either, he hadn't really done a franchise. Yeah. So that would have been interesting. I wonder if that would have changed his career at all. Well, he's done the Richard Curtis franchise. Yeah, he has, yeah. I've got this great role for you, mate. <laughs> well, we don't know what you can do next, Hugh, but yeah. we believe it'll be good. We believe in you. Well, Paddington 3. Uh, well, oh, it's probably not going to be in Paddington oh. 3. <laughs> yeah, I'll be comparing or whoever the villain is in Paddington 3 to Hugh Grant. That's a big shoe, shoes to fill, yeah. I'll say. Um, but thank you, Hugh, for years of great rom-coms. And enlightening our lives. Enlightening our lives. And now giving us even more interesting roles. To chat about. To chat about. And, you know, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> well done. All right. Thanks very much for listening, Thanks guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please go back and listen to all our other episodes. Mm. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast so far. We've enjoyed it. Yeah, we've loved it. And uh, love talking about Hugh anytime. Yeah, exactly. So we're signing off now. Right. See Bye. you later. Bye.